Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Andrea Mara, the Dublin author who worked in the financial services industry for 17 years before turning her hand to a career in blogging and working as a freelance journalist and then moved on to writing thrillers. Her first novel, The Other Side of the Wall, was published by Poolbeg Press last year and was shortlisted for the Kate O'Brien Award for Debut Authors. Her second book is called One Click and is on shelves now. Andrea, from financial services to life as an author, quite a leap. It is, yeah. And um, it's in, in every sense. I mean, even the things you wear every day, getting up in the morning and commuting into the city centre was my old life. But now I'm working at my kitchen table. So it isn't even just the work. It's the entire lifestyle has changed. So, the whole routine. Yeah. And I'm three years into the new world now. But even still, because the previous world in financial services was 17 years, um, this still feels really new to me. And in some respects, I think I'm still getting used to it. So you were working in the funds industry in the IFSC and 10 years as a as a carefree singleton, as they say, and then seven years as a working mom. So how was that work-life juggle then when the kids came along? I found it tricky and um, that was one of the reasons I got into blogging really was because I kind of thought I can't be the only one finding this difficult. So I went back to work after my third maternity leave and I was working a four-day week at that stage with three days in the office and one day from home, which was a really, really good setup, um, much easier than, say, working full time in the city centre had been previously. But at the same time, I just thought, God, this is really hard. Like, I cannot be the only one struggling. And, and were you looking for a sounding board? Did you just want somebody else in the same situation that you could have a chat about it? Exactly. So I started looking for forums, blogs, anybody who'd want to talk about being a working mom. And I know that um, there's often a point made, a very valid point. Why do we talk about working mothers all the time when, you know, why don't we talk about working dads or working parents? But it tends to be mothers who do a lot of the juggling. Now, I mean, there are more and more stay-at-home dads than ever. There are lots of families where both parents are working and taking equal care of the children and the housework and everything else. But it's a slow climb. Traditionally, traditionally, women are doing an awful lot of that juggling, doing the crash pickup, racing out of the office at five o'clock, feeling guilty that maybe younger colleagues who don't have children are looking at them and thinking, oh, there she goes again. And they may not be thinking that at all, but I think we, we put a lot of that on ourselves. I know I used to um, in my workplace because... By the end of it, I was doing an early shift where I think I was starting at 7.30 and finishing at four so that I could get home a little bit quicker to the kids. But the guilt I felt getting really? up from my desk every day, even though I even had been, been there in. Half seven. Yeah, but you still feel it when everyone else is still working their head down, working away and you're walking out and the odd time someone will make a joke kind of like, oh, half day again. And they are only joking, but it's difficult not to take that a little bit personally sometimes. So you've got the guilt of leaving work earlier than everyone else, even though you've done all your hours, even though more than likely you're logging back in at least to email later that night, if not on the laptop to actually do some work. Um, if you're working a four day week as I was, you're probably doing five days worth of work in four because nobody ever comes along when you get a four day week approved and says, so um, 
let me have 20% of your work. That doesn't happen. You just carry on doing all the work, but just in less time. So there's all that guilt. But then on top of that, you have occasional or frequent guilt about going to work at all. Um, Should you be at home minding the kids? Exactly. And I think, you know, people often say, oh, why would you feel guilty? And it's like, well, you're not doing it on purpose. It is just something that happens. And I think a lot of it is because in Ireland, it's about 50-50. If you look at the statistics, about 50% of mothers of school age children work and 50% are at home. And so therefore, any given person has at least some friends who are at home or maybe working very part time hours. And so if you're looking around and you see you're working full time and you see friends who are at home with their kids, you can't help going, God, is that what I should be doing? That kind of little bit of self-doubt that creeps in. And I think that can happen no matter how happy you are in your job and how secure you are. So in order to have, I suppose, that sounding board and you couldn't find other forums, you set up your own. Exactly. So I got tired of shouting at the radio and ranting to my husband and looking online for blogs and forums. And I set up Office Mum uh, five years ago now. And it was it started out, it was meant to be about working parenthood and writing about all those different things, writing about the gender pay gap, writing about trying to balance work and home. But very quickly, I realised that I was really, really enjoying it. So it wasn't just about the serious topics and the ranting. I, I was kind of writing about family days out or writing about how boring it can be sometimes when you're <laughs> and at home that. with small children <laughs> and the the things you learn you know you realise that before I remember before I had kids when I was expecting my first child and I had all these great plans about how they would never watch TV and they'd never get treats or junk food and how all that work out? stuff <laughs> yeah then I had children and by the time the third one came along all the rules were gone out the window so it's writing about that kind of stuff and what, what sort of reaction then did you get from your readers um really positive and that that's what keeps you going with blogging and what I love about blogging more than any other form of writing is that you get instant feedback and you get cheerleaders straight away so if you're sharing your blog posts on social media you'll get people replying to you engaging retweeting sharing and that that spurs you on then because you kind of go okay people are interested in these topics and they're all relatable topics too. It was also though a great outlet to hone your writing skills. Yeah, definitely. And that's how I got into writing. I mean, financial services, the, there was a lot of emails <laughs> to be written every day. But, you know, I wasn't doing any writing on the side at all. So it was blogging that got me interested in writing for the first time. And I suppose since I was in school, really, or college. Um, and yeah, it was little bits of work I did where maybe blog posts were reshared on other media that got me into freelance writing then eventually. And also with blogging as well, you know, there's no rules. You can write a short post, you can write a long post, you can write about anything. Um, so again, that did develop a style, I'm sure, over, over a period of time. Yeah, and I still love that about blogging. And no matter how busy I get, I still blog because exactly as you say, you can write anything that comes into your head. There's no editor, there's no word count, there are no rules. I mean, obviously you can't, you know, <laughs> say anything you want about anybody. No bad language. But um, <laughs> for the most part, you can do what you want. And that's very freeing to be able to do that. And it does. Yeah, you, you do end up developing a style and you, you start to understand what people like, which is, I think, honesty and relatability more than anything. And that then feeds into what became um, a, a change of career in, in freelance writing. So you were writing about being a working mum, but then you were made redundant after 17 years. Yeah, it was really awkward because I had called the blog office mum 
and then suddenly I didn't have an office anymore. So that was um, oh dear. that annoyed me more than anything, really. But um, no, I was I was very upset at the time. Um, I had my perfect setup, as I mentioned, with my three days in the office and one day from home and all of that. And I was trying to imagine going out, trying to get another job in financial services. And as anyone will know, you can't just waltz in and ask for three days in the office, etc, etc. You have to get in there, do your five days and bit by bit work Earn towards asking. Exactly. So I was petrified of the idea of a new job with full time hours and starting all over. And then um, I had this fantastic career coach called Dervla Baviera of Clearbird Coaching and Consulting. And she was a life changer for me because so she was part of my outplacement support that work provided. And I was sitting with her one day and she said, you know, in a perfect world, close your eyes. What would you like to be doing? And I said, I'd love to be sitting at my kitchen table at my laptop earning writing, er, earning money by writing for a living. And then I started laughing because it was so ridiculous. And she said, why are you laughing? Like, why can't you do that? So it was like she gave me the permission to do it in, in a way in your own by head. her saying that. Yeah. Did you need more confidence maybe as well? Was that an issue? Yeah, because no matter how much lovely feedback you get from blog posts, it's still just blogging. There are millions of blogs now all over the world. You you don't just jump from going, oh, someone liked that blog post. I think I'll become a writer as a career. And um, well, I, I definitely don't. I definitely am a person who needs a bit of a push to do anything. But the, that she pushed me and I said, you know what, actually, there's nothing to lose when I finish up in my financial services job. I will give it six months. And my littlest was just about to start his free preschool year. So that would give me kind of two hours every morning of um, free time with no childcare to be paid for, where I could try writing for a living and see how it goes. But how did you make money from it? Um, well, that's slow, <laughs> to be honest. And if um, if I was trying to pay the mortgage, it, it wouldn't have worked, like absolutely no way. So this was a team effort between my husband and myself. We sat down, we did the figures and we said, right, let's try this. Let's see how we go. Can we live off one salary and try the freelance writing for six months um, without the pressure of needing an income from it? Because it's so sporadic. You don't know in any given month how much work you're going to get or how long it will take to get paid. It the can gig take a long economy, time. they call yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So if it wasn't for my husband being able to pay the mortgage with his salary, I could never have done this. So you were blogging, but you also started freelance writing then for magazines. Yeah. So I started pitching and as any freelancer will know, that can be really slow at the start and you're what one friend calls pitching the void an awful lot of the time and getting no replies and you just have to grow thick skin and keep trying and trying and I remember one lovely editor um, I I pitched my fifth idea to her within about two weeks uh, which I don't recommend doing that but she was lovely and she came back to me and she said no we haven't covered that topic thank God because if I had to say no to you again I don't know what I would have done (laughs) now I really don't recommend trying to wear down an editor but But I I was getting the right vibes from her so I figured it was okay So how long were you doing sort of the the freelance writing for them before you decided I'm going to write a book? Um, Probably only another year and then it was again somebody pushing me into it rather than me deciding to do it. So I was sharing articles, 
blog posts I'd written and articles I'd written and a Facebook page reader who unbeknownst to me was an author called Margaret Scott she commented one night and said you should write a book and I thought well okay then so again it was someone to, I had a story had you, had you thought about it previously then? Yeah I had a story rattling around in my head but I kind of thought God I don't know if a book like a hundred thousand words that's huge I don't know if I could do that but then when she said you should do it again it was like someone giving me permission to try it so literally the next day I started typing and that's where that's how I got into fiction so I wrote a full manuscript thought that's great I've written a book now and job done yeah and then went and asked people so what do you do next and they're like you go back and you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite so that was kind of the hard slog that I hadn't and how long did it take to write that first draft it took about six months and that was quick enough yeah um, now I was doing it in the middle of everything else as well so um, and it was looking back on it it's fine but it's not great and you know I, I really did think you just had to write it and that was it but um, going back and rewriting and editing was tough and, and who gave you guidance on that? Um, I n- n- kind of contacted a couple of different contacts and authors but really just doing it myself and I think that was the tough part because when you've no book deal and you've no real goal you're just trying to self-motivate to do it subsequently I have found lots of writer friends on Twitter and Facebook and joined lots of online Facebook writing groups and I find that really really good but at the start I didn't have a whole lot of that Um, Margaret Scott who had originally prompted me to go ahead was really really good for tips but other than that I was just going it alone and that was hard I think it's much better to be in the writing community online to help And at what stage then did you approach a publisher or did you approach an agent? I approached a publisher two years ago two summers ago um, which was Poolbeg who are my current publisher so I sent them in the manuscript I had spent um, those six months writing and they rejected that uh, but they Did you get feedback? Uh, they said, we really like your writing, but the story doesn't work because it's in two different genres, um, which I had been told by someone else previously. And this was my second time being told it. And I was like, OK, then, you know, it must be true. And so I, what I had done was written part of it in the present. And then a lot of it was historical fiction. And I now know you can't do that. Because, well, I'm sure you can if you are a best selling worldwide famous author, you can do what you want. But if you're starting out, you need to be really in one genre or another so that you're commercial and I didn't know that at the time so the really good news part though was for me that they said we like your writing if you want to send us another idea we will look at it and as any aspiring writer knows that's huge because normally you have to write the full book Mm -hmm. and then send it off to agents and publishers so to be given the opportunity to just write a synopsis or an outline was was huge and that's what I did and that became the other side of the wall then. All right so the first draft you actually wrote hasn't been published? No but I turned it into the other side of the wall so the present day part of it became the other side of the wall, the historical stuff, which is about 50,000 words. Maybe someday it will become something. <laughs> It'll turn turn into something else. Yeah. So you went back to them with this idea um, as a synopsis as such, and they said yes. Yeah. So I was sitting at my kitchen table in November 2016 and I got an email and you don't even imagine these things happening by email. And I'm just there at my kitchen table and there's an email saying we'd like to offer you a three book deal. And wow. I nearly fell off the chair because that's just dream you just if you're an aspiring writer there is nothing in the world that compares to 
that email and I really did nearly fall off the chair and then I got up and made a cup of tea because I think that's all you can do in those <laughs> Was situations. there no champagne in the house? <laughs> there was no champagne and I had a school run ahead of me and, and some freelance deadlines and I made a cup of tea and then I messaged my husband who was away in London with work at the time and he nearly fell off his chair and yeah that's where it all went from there. And you did you have to start that book then from scratch? Yes. Yeah. So, so the three book deal was based on an idea, really. Yeah, it but was. But they liked your writing. So it just goes yeah. to show that by, you know, pursuing and at least letting people see your writing, mm-hmm. there could be a, a very positive end. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it can be so disheartening. And uh, there are writers who have sent submissions to dozens and dozens of agents and publishers and it can be really disheartening but there are so many good news stories out there of people who like me were lucky and it did work out and we got a publishing deal so I think it's it's always worth trying. And how instrumental was the blogging in that because it feels to me like you had the opportunity to blog which meant you were honing your writing skills all along and eventually when you did sit down to write the novel and this is you know the initial draft that Pulbeck saw they liked the writing. Yeah and I think it was huge because I suppose for a start I don't think I'd have had the confidence to try writing fiction without having blogged first because it's like breaking ice you, you just it's a huge thing to write those first words of fiction and a lot of us I think spend time planning and thinking about will we use um, Word documents or what pen will we use? And it's all just a way of putting off writing that first sentence. And you have to write that first sentence. And for me, the blog was the first sentence. That's what got me started. And that's what taught me about my own writing style. Now, in a sense, fiction is completely different, I suppose. I mean, my blog writing style is very much like this is what happened today. This is what I think about what's happening in the news or whatever. But it's not completely removed either because I, I suppose in the other side of the wall and in one click, the main character in each case is um, a mom with some kids and a job. And so it's not a million miles removed from Right me. about what you know, exactly. as they say. Yeah. But with blogging, obviously, you know, there is no deadlines. It's a shorter word count. With a novel, you have to make sure the narrative is progressing and you have to sustain that story all the way through. So it's short form versus long form. Mm-hmm. So w- was that difficult? It was at first, but I had such a detailed outline that really, really helped. So I knew exactly what was going to happen. So you're a plotter then? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I envy pantsers, but I just couldn't do it. I knew everything that was going to happen. Now, I did deviate and I think that's fine and perfect, but I needed to know the ending because I, I just have this fear. Imagine if you started writing a book and you got to the end of 100,000 words and you were like, I don't know who the killer was. I mean, <laughs> just the fear. Well, we've had, we have had so many authors on Inside Books and they don't plot and they don't plan and they'll have an idea and they'll have a character in their head and they sit down and see where it goes. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be the same as you. I, I would sort of want to know you know, bit by bit. So that's the way you work and that's what works for you. Yeah, and I I literally do chapter by chapter. Like I got the bus in today and I plotted out the next two chapters in my notebook and I can't write the chapters unless I know what's going to happen. I mean, I can try, but I find I'm just sitting there going, oh, and plodding along. Whereas if I write it out, yeah, yeah, much better. And buses are great for that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So the first book, uh, The Other Side of the Wall, very successful. Um, You had a three book deal. So in your head, did you know all along then I've still have to come up with with uh, plots for two more books. Was that pressurising? 
Yes, it was definitely because I had lots of ideas rattling around in my head, but you never know which of them, you know, you think you've a great idea and then you try and flesh it out and you go, that's a short story. <laughs> that's not a book. And you you do kind of feel the pressure. And originally my publisher was looking for a much shorter deadline for the second book. And I I wasn't sure if that was the norm and if you um, if it's OK to question that. And I talked to a friend and she was like, you, you need to go back to them on that. And I did. And they were lovely about it and they moved the deadline no problem at all so I suppose that taught me something about the whole thing as well but yeah like if you have you know just a few months to write a book but you don't know what that book is about like that's that's impossible pressure and uh, once my deadline was moved I could relax and go okay now I can think about what book two will be So book two is one click mm-hmm. and that's on the shelves at the moment but you are working on book three Yes So yeah. where, where are we at? Just starting book three really I mean I think yeah on uh, this morning I plotted chapters six and seven. So it's very early days. But I again, I, I've already made an outline. I know what's going to happen. And it's just about figuring out each of the plot parts or plot elements to see how I get there. So it's kind of daunting. Like, I mean, a book is 100,000 words, give or take, and I've 7,000 done. So it's, <laughs> there's a lot to do. But um Third you, time round, it's less daunting. Maybe. Are you happy with the plot that you've come up with? Yeah, so far. Like I was on the bus this morning, I was kind of getting excited about different ideas that came up. And I think that's the feeling that, that other writers will know as well. When you get excited about ideas and you're scribbling notes and that that's a really good feeling then when you're excited about um, it. When do you have to deliver that then? I think November, although I think we may be I may be given a bit more time if I need it. So, I mean, Poolbeg are brilliant. They're an absolutely fantastic publisher. And how would you describe your writing? I mean, we've, we've talked about it being described as thrillers as such, but is it domestic noir? Is it griplet? All of these cliches that we're hearing at the moment, how would you describe it? Yeah, I've used all of those terms. Um, I, I think... We sometimes I, I my sister told me she was in our local bookshop and she overheard someone asking for recommendation and the bookshop staff recommending they were looking for domestic noir. And she heard, which was really cool, the bookshop staff recommending the other side of the wall and then discussing with a colleague as to whether or not one click is domestic noir. So on the one hand, I'm very happy <laughs> to great. have my sister overhear that conversation. And it did also get me thinking, I was like, I think one click is domestic noir. But I suppose if domestic noir means someone is in their own house for much of the story and there's something creepy going on then yes I think both books tick that box and book three will also tick that box but I mean in in a broader sense they're psychological thrillers that might be the easiest way to say it and even the Irish Independent said that the other side of the wall would make a great movie I know, wouldn't that be the dream? Wouldn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> and is there any anything happening on that side of things? Um, not that I'm aware of. I should probably say something really coy, like <laughs> I can't say anything now. But I mean, yeah, that's the, everybody's dream, isn't it? That their book could be turned into a movie as well. But uh, nothing I know of right now. Absolutely. And uh, any plans to go back to the corporate world? No way. <laughs> it was brilliant to me for the 17 years I was there and I would have been still there till I retired if it hadn't been for the redundancy. Um, So clearly, yes, I'm someone who needs to be pushed to do anything. Um, I absolutely loved my job. Um, I was managing people and people management is is something I really enjoy. And it's all linked in in my mind anyway to communication and words and how we use words, which is obviously how writing works as well. Um, But having said all of that, I'm so glad for me that the office closed. I shouldn't say that for everybody, but it it did work out really, really well for me. Well, Andrea Mara, I think your readers are probably 
probably saying exactly the same thing at the moment. So thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Andrea's latest book one click in all bookshops now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. If you want to hear other episodes, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. And if you haven't already, you can give us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear what you think. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 